Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. Welcome back to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Happy New Year, Elizabeth. Happy New Year. Uh, we are back. It is been a few weeks. I am getting over a cold, so I would like to apologize in advance. Where we live is in single-digit uh, temperatures, so mm -hmm. if you hear any noises or fans in the background, it is because it is so cold here that some sort of heating device has to be on all the time. But we are so happy to be back, and um, we wanted to say thank you to everyone who rated and subscribed and has left comments. Thank you. If you haven't had a chance to do that, if you would even just take 10 seconds to pause and rate and even subscribe so you know when new content comes out. Uh, we also, before we get into today's conversation, we have a handful of really fun announcements, a few that are really fun, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. The first, I'll, I'll mention them and then I know, Elizabeth, you'll have some thoughts on this. Uh, the first is that we are actually going to be in San Diego. So anybody that lives in the San Diego area, uh, in a couple weeks time, January 26th through 28th, we're going to be at Rise City Church. You can check out the link in the show notes, but we are going to be doing uh, a handful of conversations Friday and Saturday, and then we'll be there on Sunday as well. So uh, it's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to the sunshine given the situation. Yeah, it's and not going to be single degree weather. It's not going to be that. So if you are a friend and in San Diego and you're hearing this, please uh, check out that link in the show notes. We'd love to connect with you. Would love to see you at that event. And then another cool thing is I know it's January, but summer, I know we're already talking, like we already have summer plans in place as many people do. Mm -hmm. Tonight we have a family Zoom call to talk about Camp Comer, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're already talking about all the summer stuff. So we just want to let you know, um, this coming summer, June 23rd through the 29th, we are going to be at Forest Home. All four of us, and also to mention, all four of us are going to be in San Diego, but all four of us are going to be in Forest Home. Um, and this is a great camp right outside of LA. And this is for your whole family. This is a family camp. And uh, we're going to be joining them and speaking there the whole week. Uh, Elizabeth and I, Phil and Diane, are all going to be sharing that load morning and night. And it's going to be a lot of fun content. We're already dreaming up some cool stuff for that. So if you are interested, again, click the link in the show notes. You can check that out. But we're going to be there June 23rd through the 29th. We can't wait to be with you um, and we would love to see you there. So if this makes sense for your family this year, make sure to sign up. And then one other thing, we have a big announcement coming, but I can't tell you about that. This is actually a teaser. It's to say we are developing some fun stuff and we're going to tell you about it in just a few weeks. So make sure you keep um, keep up to date with what we're doing. Did I miss anything, honey? No. No. I think you covered it all. Okay, so Phil and Diane have also been really sick, hence why I've been sick. They gave me their sickness. Thank <laughs> you. They decided not to actually give me um, any more presents, which they gave me lots of presents for Christmas, but more uh, they gave me a sickness. And so mm -hmm. uh, we actually decided today a topic that we have been working on and have been teasing out and have been really passionate about is 
talking about parenting in the digital age. And mm -hmm. this is something that we are going to have more resources for you uh, coming out in the next months. But we wanted to actually just start a conversation around one of the many points that we talk about um, in this whole topic of parenting in the digital age. And that is to talk about it, having a digital rule of life. I know we've talked about that a little bit, um, but we also haven't really gone in depth about what that means, why we do it, how that actually looks, what does it really feel like in our home and in our in our actual day-to-day -day life with a 14-year-old down to a five-year-old and everywhere in between. And so we're excited to talk about this. I am excited to talk about this. I'm excited to talk about it because we're really passionate about it. But I also think that, you know, topics like these that are not black and white in the scriptures. Nowhere in the scriptures does it tell you how to deal with digital things. <laughs> um, You're right. And these can be just challenging topics to address through a, you know, Jesus-centered lens because we never want to, we, we always want to represent God's heart well. And we don't want to put rules on people or legalism on people or idealism. And so just know as we go into this topic, I think that is the needle we're trying to thread of how do we represent God's heart well? How do we walk in both wisdom and courage? And the more we've dived into this topic, the more those two things just stick out to us the most. And they are clear in scripture. What is the way of wisdom? How do we ask God for it? We see it's something God wants to honor. He wants to give us wisdom and make us people of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And courage. How do we have courage to actually follow the way of Jesus when culture is following a different way? And so that's kind of the lens we're hoping to have this whole topic feed through of just how do we have wisdom in this area and how do we have courage in this area? So yeah. I just think that's important to say. We don't have a list of this is exactly how you should do it because I don't think there is one. No, We are all feeling around in the dark a little bit trying to figure this out for our unique individual families and stage of life. Yes, And so I just think that's important to say out the gate that what we're going to talk about is not an exact science of just do exactly what we're doing and you will be doing great. No, and, and to be fair, and we want to be really honest and we are honest about this, whenever we talk about this topic, we are showing where uh, showing everybody where we're aiming. We're not always hitting this 100%. We are not always, you know, Elizabeth, you, you and I know, especially because we, we do this together, it is not. Um, it is not hard and fast rules that always apply and always work out. It is so fluid and you have to be flexible. Mm -hmm. um, one of the scriptures I do actually want to like root us in, which I actually think is super helpful. So the message translation, um, I love the NIV. I love the message. And sometimes the message just highlights or colors it a little bit differently um, or just gives some actually, I think, newer, fresher language around some concepts. And so Romans chapter 12, uh, verse one and two says a few things. Are you okay if I share this really yeah. quick? Um, so this is this is kind of a foundation, as Elizabeth said really quickly, like the culture around us. This actually speaks to that. And Romans 12 verse one says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, your walking around life. I would even say putting kids down for a nap, changing diapers, uh, doing another school run, picking up kids from soccer. Uh, and place it before God as an offering. Mm -hmm. 
Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. That's a really interesting phrase. We don't have time to go into it, but so good. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture, and that's what we're wanting to talk about. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Mm. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you, and then quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Mm. I know that's a lot, but that passage, I think even in some, says what we're trying to say is that we actually want to have a different way of looking at technology. I think it's also interesting that the main thing technology changes is your mind. And the main thing that this is talking about, the NIV says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what Mm. this verse says there. And so I think it's really interesting that the very thing that we are talking about, that technology affects, is the very thing God invites us into to be renewed, to be changed, to be uh, kind of formed for him. Yeah. Any thoughts on that before we move on to the next thing? Well, I think this is a perfect segue into the next thing because- You know, the whole idea of not being conformed to, what does it say, the culture around you, the message translation. You know, in this specific area, we're talking about technology, all technology. Mm -hmm. Well, what what is the cultural norm around us? I mean, I think a lot of us know it and could say it, but there's been so many things coming out recently from Surgeon General, from the CDC. Like, we know that the amount of tech that we are consuming is not healthy, but we don't always, sometimes that's just a really broad statement. We don't actually know how it's affecting us, which we're going to go into more when we give you all the resources we're working on. But just a few statistics that I think are just important to know and slightly shocking. Yeah. But it's that the average American spends seven hours and four minutes a day on a screen of some kind. That's a lot of hours. (laughs) But then this is fascinating and sad, quite honestly, that eight to 10-year-olds spend an average of six hours a day, 11 to 14-year-olds, nine hours a day, 15 to 18-year-olds, seven plus hours a day. And these figures do not include the time that kids spend on screens for their schoolwork. That is staggering. That's staggering. I know when we came across these, it was it was honestly shocking, but actually at the very same time of no surprise no. because so many things have now become digital. And I think it's also important to pause here and say screens are not bad. No, no. <laughs> I, I, actually, our kids remind us. I think Duke did recently. He's like, you know, screens aren't bad. I was like, I totally agree with you. Screens actually are very helpful, and and I mean they help advance our world in yes. so many. And they're not ways. going anywhere. No, this isn't something we can just be like, we're just not going to ever do it. Because they are not going anywhere. We you have share, to... share that other stat, though, the one right beneath that. You're right. It's not going anywhere. But that other stat kind of is an other eye-raising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 90% of youth ages... 95%. Yeah, 95%. Sorry. Thank you. Yep. Um, ages 13 to 17 report using social a social media platform with more than a third of them saying they use social media almost constantly. That's a lot. <laughs> you know? And like you are saying... The problem is not always with the devices themselves. The problem lies in how we use the devices and how we integrate them into our lives. And so we are not in any way 
anti-devices. We have them all over our house. They're incredibly useful. Mm -hmm. um, but if we don't have some guardrails around how and when we use them with ourselves and with our kids, that's when the that's when it becomes a problem well, and all-consuming. I think even, you know, we end up traveling a good amount for our work. And I think traveling... Um, if you don't break up the amount of media you can take in, you just become numb. I think about that, these kids that you're saying, you know, that we're talking about how numb you end up feeling when you are on a screen for that long and what that feels like. But let's be real friends. I think adults have th this very same issue, the, oh, the 13 to 17. So before we even talk about the idea of Hey guys, uh, we should probably be aware of this for our kids. This really starts with with us as parents, mm -hmm. and it's it has to burden us enough and impact our life enough for us to actually take that conviction on and then mm -hmm. hopefully pass it to our kids. But I know that if you if you tell your kids to live or have a digital rule of life, which we'll get into, but you yourself have no limits. This will be such an uphill battle for you. Well, it um, won't. It won't work. It's, well, well, I'm, it's the I'm being. Same. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice. It's the same. It's the same idea, and we talk about this a lot. Of if you want your kids to passionately follow Jesus and love Him, but but you're not, or you're just sort of. But all you're giving them is a list of rules. You need to do this. You need to read your Bible. You need to go to church. You need to. Well, then it means nothing to them. Oh, it's sure. not something sure. that they want to latch onto. It's a list of rules that means nothing. And even worse, they they grew up seeing massive amounts of hypocrisy, which makes them really want nothing to do with it. And I think the same goes for, well, I know the same goes for our screen use. But that said, if you find yourself in the same place that I know I'll speak for myself, I think you are less digitally addicted than I am, but I will speak for myself. This Thank is the you. place I find myself so often of all of the apps, all of the algorithms, all of the screens doing exactly what they were designed to do. And if that's the place that you find yourself where you are on your phone all the time, you are distracted all the time, you are numbing out from the realities of your real life. I think the first thing the enemy wants you to feel is just immense shame and guilt, which doesn't motivate anybody to actually change. Mm -hmm. That's not motivating for actual like deep yeah, lasting right, change. Right. And so if even just like clicking on this episode and hearing these things, you just feel guilt and shame flooding your body. Like that is not God's heart. God's heart is for our good, not for us to just feel horrible about our decisions all the time. But sometimes those feelings are a really beautiful motivation of God just being like, hey, I want to talk to you about this. I want to help you grow and change in this area. And that is a beautiful place to start before you ever start with your kids. Even if what we're about to say, you just recognize, well, first I got to work on this with me and I'm going to do that for a while before I then try to figure this out with my kids. That's a beautiful place to start and start there. Yes. And you're not yes. alone in needing to start there because that's where most of us are. You are enjoying content brought to you by Intentional, a crowdfunded nonprofit that desires to help families and marriages all around the world in the area of discipleship and spiritual formation. This offering is completely free thanks to the generosity of our growing community of legacy builders. 
Legacy Builders is a group of people from all over the world that gives monthly to fuel this dream that we have in our hearts of seeing discipleship to Jesus in the family become a way of life. A monthly gift of five, 10, or even $30 can continue to fuel this ministry forward. Our dream is to invite people like you to join and partner with us at a financial level and to see this work integrated into families. So as you listen to this podcast, would you prayerfully consider joining us? Would you allow the Spirit to lead you, even if it's just a few dollars a month? Thank you so much. And may the Spirit of Jesus give you wisdom, clarity and joy as you pray about joining us. If you want to join today, go to intentionalparents.org and click on Give. I see this is the thing that I want to make so clear. There's going to be so many things in this episode that we do not even touch because we just don't have time. Mm-hmm. But I do promise we have. And they're coming. Have, this and they're is a coming. teaser. <laughs> this is, yeah. I promise we're going to talk about them. But the whole concept of the other parent, there's this concept going around where technology is the other parent. And I won't give this whole thing away, but it is fascinating how often we are tempted mm-hmm. as parents to basically farm out our parenting responsibilities to a screen because it's easier. And we went out to, we went on a date a few weeks ago. I can't remember. We got in an argument. That's what I do remember about <laughs> that date. It was a wonderful date, except for that part. It was an part. epic argument. I think, I don't remember. Was it? Yeah, it was not a small one. Oh, I don't remember what it was about. We have since worked it out. I feel like it was probably you being lame about something <laughs> and I was doing a great job. <laughs> no, but um, we did work it out, but it was staggering that a not even one-year-old was sitting at dinner with his family and they put a screen in front of his face when when really that that little one did not need a screen i mean maybe he w- would have forks at that point are so exciting depending <laughs> upon you know your developmental stage but that's the world that we're all living in and i'm not throwing any shade on anybody that would want to give their kid a screen to get through a meal but we have to be aware of how tempting some of this stuff is. Mm -hmm. And for all of us, like we're all tempted to tap on the other parent's shoulder and be like, Hey, would you do some of the parenting? Now I will say strategically at certain moments, it's a very huge gift to be able to say, Hey kids, you get to watch a movie. Um, It is sometimes how we record this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Not currently they're playing. No, no, that's not true. Duke is watching a movie right now. Oh, that's true. Yeah. He also has school off, but that's another thing. Mm -hmm. But that said, Like there's so many things around him, even watching a movie for us to approve it, all that stuff that we'll talk about. But anyway, these concepts are, are, I know there's going to be so many things that we're like wanting to talk about, but we can't go into details yet here. Elizabeth, yes. Well, just one in all of our like research that we've been doing, one just interesting uh, study that was done and just an interesting stat that came out of that. I can't remember how many people were in the study, but they asked people, um, about their experience with the digital world and devices. And they, and most, the majority of the people in the study said that devices have made their life easier, but have not made their life happier. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So oh, I'm thinking yes. of like the one year old at dinner. Of course, them watching something on a screen or playing on a phone will make your life easier. For sure. Yes. But in the long run, is it making the relationships richer, your life actually happier, that child actually happier? And I think all of us would say no. 
No. Uh, we, we came across a quote the other day. I don't know who it's by, but it was asking a question and then giving the answer. And the question was, why is our generation so unhappy? And the answer was, it's due to an overconsumption of other people's lives. <laughs> and so that, I mean, there's multiple reasons, but I think there's some, there's some truth in that. And so one of the, the tools I think we want to give you today, and just as something that, again, we are learning, all we're doing is saying, hey, try this. This might work for some. Some of you might see this and go, this is epic. This is so helpful. This is going to change my life. Other people might go, this is not helpful in the least. And what we want to say to you is please just take this as a template. You can try it. Uh, we're actually going to be giving this to you. The link is in the show notes, so you can download the PDF of what we're going to share in a minute, our digital rule of life. It's going to be blank um, spots, so you can fill out where you and how you and your spouse want to get together and pray through how do we want our digital rule of life to, to look and how do we want to maybe even implement that. But before I get too practical, maybe I could just share a couple of perspectives about a digital rule of life. So we're going yeah. to talk about that. Mm -hmm. uh, the question really becomes, what is a digital rule? What does that mean? Um, Proverbs 29, 18, love this verse, without vision, the people perish. It's a widely quoted verse by leaders, all, all sorts of leaderships. Uh, books have this, without vision, people perish. That's very true for us, but that's also very true for our families. We have to start with knowing what kind of home and what kind of life we want for ourselves, but also for our children. And I know like even as you're hearing this and as Elizabeth and I talk about it, it seems really basic, but so many of us, because of how crazy life is, we haven't had mental space to decide and to be honest to me anyway, it feels a, like a lot to like plot the trajectory of our children's formation for the next 10 or 15 years. Like mm -hmm. you're just trying to educate them and feed them and help them. And then this on top of it, you might be like, Brooke and Elizabeth, this is too much. Uh, but I just want to give, we want to give you some hope that this is totally possible and it's actually less complicated than it might even seem. And so we do have, as I mentioned, a digital rule of life. And when we say rule, we don't mean a rule like a ruler we don't mean like a hard rule, mm -hmm. but more like a trellis that supports a vine. Um, if you know anything about plant life, I mean, to be honest, I'm not much into horticulture, but I do know that for- I didn't even know that was a word. Babe, that is the study <laughs> of plants. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's something Birdie would know. Yeah, she knows like, so- I know what that's called. Yeah, I would say then she'd be like, that's exactly, she was, dad, the study of plants. Yeah, she would. She's well, very I smart. called her, this is a total rabbit trail. Sure. There was a bird that landed on our roof yesterday or the day before, and it was the most like- On our roof? How would we see it if it was on our roof? Well, from right there. It's from sitting over- Oh, there's We're an in our angle. bedroom right now. Yeah, as you an could, angle. You could see it got from it, out one it. of our windows. That makes sense. And it looked kind of like an owl, but it was like the size of a like decent-sized bird. I was trying- It was really pretty. And so I couldn't figure out, I was like, what kind of bird is that? So we start calling Birdie, finally get her attention to come in. To see the bird, it had flown away, but I just described what it looked like. What did she <laughs> say? I didn't hear any of this. She was like, hmm, it sounds like it could be, and she named some type of owl that lives underground that has what? like, she was like, did it have long legs? I was like, yes, it did. So we start looking up this owl, and sure enough, it looked a whole lot like the owl that <laughs> I'd never heard of. I can't remember, I can't even remember what the owl was called. Definitely not your typical oh my gosh. owl that you would have heard of. We have to be careful with what we let her read because she remembers everything. everything. It's insane. Yeah. So 
That's a great little segue. I love that. Sorry, that that no, had no. nothing Horticulture, to do study with of plants. what we were talking about. But just like, but but as an example, this is the point. For a healthy full vine to grow, it has to follow a predetermined path chosen by the gardener. You have to set this stuff up. And so this rule is really to support what you are trying to accomplish in your home. And it it's really just how you make a plan. So maybe for some, if you're like, I hate the word rule, maybe you could say a better name for this might be a digital support of life. This is a digital support for you to figure out how you are going to engage with technology in your home. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to quote Andy Crouch. Okay. So here's our goal is to get, we're hopefully going to be having Andy on the show soon, yes. but he's an amazing human. He wrote a wonderful, wonderful book called The TechWise Family. That book will be in the show notes as well. Great resource. And we'll link some resources as well when we do more of these conversations. But he had this this quote. I want to read it to you really quick because it it is really powerful. He said, the most powerful choices we will make in our lives are not about specific decisions, but about patterns of life, the nudges and disciplines that will shape all our other choices. If we want a better life, he says, for ourselves and for our families, we will have to choose it. And the best way to choose it is to nudge and discipline ourselves towards the kind of life we most deeply want. Hmm. So it's going to take nudges and disciplines. It's about the patterns of life and and what a digital support or a digital rule of life is really to help give you some direction on the pattern of life and the way of life that you're going to live towards technology. Because the truth is, we grew up in a time, you and I, Elizabeth, 80s and 90s, um, when technology was just emerging, our parents didn't really know fully the the extent or the gravity of what we were all entering. And then fast forward 2007, you have the iPhone release and everything has just rapidly jumped and jumped and turned to where now we are saying, hey, maybe we should have some like guardrails. There's all, all these different countries putting massive bans on social media saying it's just like um, you know, we, we put bans on alcohol and cigarettes and we are also going to put bans on technology and or social media mm-hmm. because of the effects on the brain. And so I think we're all just saying we have to have some sort of plan here, yeah. uh, which is which is really important. And uh, I want to be honest, this will take some work. Mm-hmm. Just like your marriage takes work and parenting takes work, it's going to take some work. But what we also want to give you hope is that you're going to be doing that work anyway. We just want to help you maybe point some of the direction uh, so that you can actually hopefully thrive. So am I, I know there was a, that was a handful of an intro. What am I missing? That was a great intro. No, I think we should go into uh, what is an actual digital rule of life? What does it look like? You know, we've broken it up into uh, five categories. Um, and they're on the PDF that you can download. And then we're just going to walk you guys through what ours is and how it actually works out in real life. Um, but the categories that are on ours, and if you want to add another category that we haven't thought of, please do so. And then tell us what you added. We'd love to know. Um, but the first is TV and movies. The second is video games. Uh, next is YouTube. Has then, its own category. Mm-hmm. Then music. And then phones, computers, iPads, you could just label that devices, but um, maybe those more individual devices. So that's going to be the structure. We're going to go through that in a second. Uh, Something to maybe just point out as we're getting into this. For Elizabeth and I, all of the devices in our home that our kids use are co-owned. 
So none of our kids have their own device and that is by design. So Duke cannot say, hey, that's my phone or that's my iPad or Scarlett can't say the same. This is my iPad. This is my phone. Uh, They're all our devices that we share with our kids and we let them use our devices. And that is primarily because when your kid has their own phone and you know this, we all know this, like Mm -hmm. they can have, it's their pictures, it's their privacy, but these are things that we're allowing them to use. And so that's just one. I know that might seem like for some, you're like, what? That's crazy. That solves so many conversations. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we have uh, just over the years, like we have a really old iPad that primarily Duke uses. Technically, we could say it's Duke's iPad. He's pretty much the only one who uses it. But that language is really important to us. So it's not like, hey, mom and dad are restricting me from my thing. Mm-hmm. It's no, th- these are all like owned by us. And like you said, we're letting you use mm-hmm. them. And obviously, this is just one example of some of the type of things that our kids are going to need us to think about to help them navigate this current landscape that we're in. And I, I know it's as simple like our our digital rule of life. It's going to be simple, but that's on purpose. You don't need more complexity in your life. We want to have flexibility with each digital rule of life, but intentionality. Mm-hmm. So the goal is take this, make it yours, just use it as a template if you want. Uh, and if you want to uh, use it, great. If you want to just copy and paste ours, awesome. Uh, but to be clear, we're not sharing from the perfect example. We are simply just trying to give you some framework. So with that said, here's a document, our digital rule of life. So when it comes to movies and TV, um, we have a handful of things that we aim for. And <laughs> we're saying aim for because like, for example, this week, it decided to become Antarctica where we live. And so- <laughs> Got like several so feet much of snow. snow. So yeah, honey, why don't you take that first one? We have a new offering for you. If you would like to receive daily or weekly text messages and encouragement around parenting, marriage, with prayers and scriptures, click the link in the show notes and we would love to send those to you. Can't wait to connect more with you. When he says aim for, it means this is this is really what we are shooting for. It's not like, well, if we get to it, this is what our rules will be. These are kind of our rules. But when we say aim, we mean real life happens, stages change. Sometimes digital rules of life need to be updated yeah. over time. Um, so as we go through this, we'll tell you the areas that we are really consistent in and doing great. And we'll tell you the areas that we struggle to be consistent in and why. Yeah. Yep. Because that is real life. And the last thing we'd want anybody to do is to follow all of this exactly and have all the same rules as us and then feel like you're just failing because you can't actually live up to them. They need to be ones that require energy and courage and conviction but they also need to be realistic for the stage of life that you are in and your action, yeah. your family. So I think so that's just that's gr- So under the category of movies, I'll just take it. Thank mm-hmm. you for letting me cough. Um, movies. So movies, TV and movies. So our goal is that family movie night is on Saturday night only, that we do a family movie together on Saturday. So why don't I go through these and then we'll, and then we'll go back and say yeah. how they're actually working out. Tuesday night movie uh, we do if we have a community group. So our community group used to meet on Tuesdays. Right now it's on Sundays. So if that happens, we're totally okay with the movie, especially after the kids have time and the adults break up, pray and talk and are maybe having more adult conversations. The kids either go off and play and sometimes they watch a movie. 
our goal and we aim for no TV any other time um, outside of those those events. That's comical to us right now because we're not living that one out. What you're talking <laughs> we'll explain about. That. Explain that. And then travel dates for us. We travel with our kids, not all the time, but we have this built in because it's good for them to know. It's also permission for us. But on travel dates, movies and games can be used more as needed. So if we are driving to Portland, because oftentimes we'll go back and forth to Portland, it's a three hour trip. First hour, the kids know you're going to play, you're going to draw, you're going to write. But second hour or last two hours, they get to watch stuff. They love that. If we're flying, we're just trying to get through the traveling. We are not trying to hold a really firm mm -hmm. line with that. So that's our TV and movie category. It's that simple. That's what we aim for. Let's talk, Elizabeth, real talk about how this is working out right now in our current reality. Mm -hmm. So movie nights, Saturday night only. I think that's pretty consistent, except for... We do watch a movie on Saturday nights, yes. Yeah, we do always watch a movie on Saturday nights. But we don't do movies during the week very often unless no, it's you're like absolutely right. a break from school or summer can be a little bit different. Um, yep. But we did get everybody has really gotten into the show. Um, the old show, Family Matters. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> Steve Urkel. Oh my gosh. Everybody they, in the family. They absolutely except, except maybe me. It's definitely not my hey, favorite You don't show. love it. The but, kids all love it. And guess how they ask. Well, you should. Do you, have they done this to you? They come up to you and go, Dad, can we watch a Family Matters? Because families matter. <laughs> yeah, they've literally <laughs> done that to me multiple nights yeah. in a row. And I'm like, kids, I know so they matter. I would say probably <laughs> once a week we'll watch an episode of Family Matters or two. They're like 20 minutes long. No, they always end up getting in three, which is only an hour. But none, <laughs> nonetheless, they'll be like, oh, just one more, just one more. And honestly, now, they ask for it every night. But I'd say we're pretty good at like about once a week, yeah, through, one weeknight. Weeknights, our kids are pretty on board to know that we don't do movies or screens. Yes. Yeah. And again, this is just for us. If you want to build into your digital rule of life that you watch something together every night as a family, do it. But just have a have a plan for it. Have a guardrail around it. Sure. Next is the community group thing. That. I mean, they pretty much watch a movie. Every community group, we're all together for a long period, share a meal together. But then all of us adults want to connect together. So the littles, at least, usually watch a movie. And the big kids often want to stay with us. Sometimes yeah, they want to stay and talk. Yep, yep. Yeah. The no TV any other time. <laughs> <laughs> so where this came from. Several years ago, we went on- In our youth and idealism. Yeah, so we're laughing because clearly that's not happening currently, and I'll, we'll explain why. But several years ago, we went to a beach house for a few days as a family. Some friends of ours let us use it, and it was old, no internet, um, nothing exciting, like nothing digital, let's put it that way. There was a piano, there was there's a fireplace. a piano, a wood-burning fireplace- games everywhere, books, National Geographics everywhere. And the beach was a 10 minute walk away. Now it's the Oregon coast. So you don't spend the whole day at the beach playing in the sun. There isn't any sun at the <laughs> Oregon coast and the water is freezing. No. So you go for short periods of time. But we were there for, I want to say just like three days. Mm -hmm. And it was such a beautiful time as a family we were all just sitting around the fire, teaching the kids how to build a fire, drinking tea, trying to learn how to play I was chess. reading them. Everyone, we would go through, we were going through a book and I would just sit down. Yeah. A fire would be going, they'd be playing and I would just start reading. It was so idyllic for a little while. Yeah. And 
what started to happen was just this beautiful connectedness as a family. And our kids were just finding all these creative things to do. And on the drive home, Brooke and I just kept talking about like, gosh, how do we recreate what just happened in our home? Like, how do we set up our home for everything that just happened at the beach to happen in our home? Mm. And so we did the first thing that we could think of when we got home. We had our TV, as most people do, hanging above our fireplace in our living room. And we came home. And I think the night we got home, yeah, took it down and put it under our bed. Because backstory to that is at that time, Birdie, which many of you know a lot of her story, and she had just gotten to this point of kind of coping with her sensory overload by watching something. And it had gotten to the point that she was really struggling with any other ways of coping. And I just felt like, gosh, this can't be the only way Mm -hmm. that she can cope. We need to do something. And what we recognized at the beach is that there was no visual cue for technology to be used because there was no technology. So Birdie never once asked to watch a show because she knew that there was no TV and there was no TV hanging on a wall to remind her that it would be a lot more fun to be watching a show right now. Or for her, it would feel a lot more pleasant in her body Mm. to have a, a moment break from how she feels oftentimes. And so we felt like, okay, we have to do something drastic. It has to be all or nothing with how our kids are wired. That's just kind of how it has to go. So we took it down. And what was incredible was that shift we'd seen at the beach began to happen in our home. Well, 85% of visual, like it's, what is it? 85% of your memory or I can't, this is a terrible, I I am quoting this completely (laughs) off. Essentially when there's something that you don't see, it is visual cues have so much more power than I, than we even understand. And, and so even just by taking it down habits, that's where you, that's, I think, I don't know where that quote comes. The the point I think really though, uh, you're, I I don't want to try to dig it up, but I guess (laughs) to say right now at this moment, it's more about the fact that when it wasn't a visual cue, it became so much easier to say, Mm -hmm. yep, we're not going to watch anything. Yeah. There's no TV. Yeah. And, and then so, we would also bring out our TV on family movie night. Uh-huh. It would come out from under the bed like a an old treasure <laughs> that had been lost. And we dust it off, literally dust it off. And the kids would be like, oh my gosh, I, whoa. <laughs> like every time. It's Sabbath. It's Sabbath. And the, you know, the screen would be and they're like, whoa. And it became actually really special is is what it, it made those times when we did get out the TV. It made it really special. Yeah, it really did. And then because we're sharing the realness of it. Slowly over time, we started letting the girls watch one show in the afternoon. We'd pull out a laptop or something like that because we did discover that watching a little bit for Birdie was incredibly resetting to her. By the time we Mm -hmm. got to about two o'clock in the afternoon, she'd be kind of coming unglued from just being awake for that long. And she'd watch a little show and then happily go play. And it was kind of a reset for her. We do now have a TV hanging again because... Your wonderful mom gave us a very large TV she that was, she didn't need anymore. It was a new, no, it was a <laughs> literally, it was a nice TV, but she wanted to get all the TVs in her houses, in her house matching, which she's only one lady. <laughs> she has three TVs, but whatever, you know. Uh, but she ended up saying, like, I'm going to get, I'm just going to throw this one away because it's easier. I was like, mom, don't throw that away. <laughs> and it's huge. Brooke has always wanted a big TV. I think any man in the world just goes like, 
we're all visually stimulated. So having even a bigger screen, I, I do not have one friend that's like, you know what I'd prefer? A really small, a small TV. TV. <laughs> all their wives uh, though were like, can we please can have we a please smaller not TV? not have to decorate around this And I'm not even TV. like a sports person or we don't even, I mean, honestly, it's not like we even watch things on the TV so much, but it is funny. So yes, my mom was very generous. She gave us this TV. But we are in deep discussion again about taking it you down. You literally in passing the other day were like trying to, okay, this is not a joke. And anybody that's married is going to understand <laughs> this. Two things that came up the other day that, I mean, are just rot for potential argument and tension. Elizabeth won. She goes, hey, can we take down the TV? Just in passing, like, whoa, that's a bigger conversation on all fronts. And then secondly, in the same night, she just casually comes by and says, hey, what do you think about switching sides of the bed? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, these are like sacred spaces. You can't just fling this on me like we're going to. Now, I know for some people, like, you don't care, but for the majority of people, you get used to the way you sleep and then you're sharing a bed. And I don't like for me, I was like, these are, it was <laughs> a very dark too day. Too much, too it much. Was, too it soon. was too much for me. Anyway, so. Yes, that is the truth. That's how it's working out for us now. We have a handful of more categories, but anything else on the TV and movies for us? Uh, no, just I think that this, um, like all categories and all the things in a digital rule of life, they need to be reevaluated. And I would say that when we first made this, TV was a big deal. It felt like our kids were just so easily addicted to it and mm -hmm. it was really hard to transition from the TV being on to it turning off. And I would say with our older yeah. kids, that is like no longer a concern. They're able to watch a little bit and then go play guitar or, you know, it's it doesn't feel like it has to be as strict. But for our younger two, it still very much needs deep guardrails oh my gosh, around yes. it. So I just think there's a yes. lot of freedom in reevaluating this according to the stage that you're in. And we are currently reevaluating. What does this look like? Do we need to take the TV down again? Um, and part of that is navigating technology with, um, with kids who are not neurotypical. And that also is another factor that technology can be even harder to figure out how to use because um, it can be really helpful and it can also be really harmful for those kids. Yes. Well said. So that's TV and movies. That's our categories. The second category is video games. Um, for some, this is a massive category. And I have to say there's there is going to be many a men listening and even wives who have husbands who are into gaming. Now, I want to say something. This is to, sh to throw no shade on anybody who likes mm -hmm. video games as an adult or as a child. I think that there is totally worse ways to disconnect. And obviously, like anything, if this is taking up your life and your time and taking you away from relationships, like there's a problem. Some people really enjoy video games. I know I have a bunch of buddies that like video games. Me personally, I have never really, even as a kid, was not crazy into them. And even now as an adult, have never been like, oh gosh, I got to do it. It's not been relaxing to me personally. Video games have gotten even crazier um, over time. But for us, we made a decision. I think actually feels really normal to us, but we're finding more and more is is pretty um, extreme to some. So I want to I want to just give that caveat to say that for us, we've decided to own no video game consoles whatsoever. And what we've decided to why why we've done that is a couple reasons. One, 
Video games when our kids are young are highly addictive. Any parent knows this. You're arguing constantly about a video game. You're arguing about how much time they can have. You're constantly monitoring it. And we just decided, what if we just skipped that? What if we skipped it? <laughs> now, that hasn't been without its challenges and questions and, and tears of like, why can't I own one? And what we do to kind of get around that is simply to say, like, if Duke has some friends that have video games and they, they can play them, we say, dude, have at it. If you go over to a friend's house and you want to play video games for eight hours straight, <laughs> have a blast, it. like enjoy it. Most of our friends' parents wouldn't let their kids play that long. But nonetheless, they, I'm like, dude, have a party doing that. But we've decided when it comes to being at home and when it comes to having video games in our house, it is just, it, it's one less thing to have to navigate. And I think that's, I mean, I, I could say a lot more on that. Well, I feel like it's important to say there was a brief period of time where we did have a Nintendo Switch. Yes. And I'll give you the short version of the story. But we had up to that point had had nothing in our house on purpose and we felt pretty strongly about it. And then our our son, Duke, who's like hyper responsible, understands Mm -hmm. rules. And he, for about over the course of a year basically kept respectfully and sometimes not respectfully, but for the most part, very respectfully asking us to reconsider and explaining to us, I understand that the amount of game time I have per week is not going to change. It just would be way more fun on a Nintendo Switch. And so we really thought about it and we decided for, I believe it was his ninth birthday. 11th. 11th? Was it his ninth? Oh, you're right. He wasn't. No, it was 11th. You're right. You're right. Man, I can't believe I was right. You're always right about this stuff. I cannot <laughs> Maybe believe he started I was right. wearing us down when he was nine. <laughs> but Long his eleventh birthday. Yeah. We like wrote him a letter and it was a big deal. We gave mm-hmm. him this console and no joke, we got in bed that night and I laid down and I just said to Brooke, I think we made a mistake. And for the week, the couple weeks that followed, we just both felt like I I don't think we should have said yes to this because the minute it was in our house, it's all he could think about. And yes. when he could play next, what he was going to do when he played, what he was going to build in Minecraft. Well, you know, we had all these limitations about what games he was allowed to play, but still it just consumed his mind. That's how he's wired. Not but, every kid is wired that way. But also these games, but to be fair, honey, and anybody listening that knows, these games are different than... Super or Nintendo 64 stuff, they are highly addictive. And I've, mm-hmm. I've even seen them playing stuff. They, they are far more entertaining. I mean, it just draws you in. It's nothing. They're literally doing exactly, exactly what, what they were designed to, to do, yeah. which is to pull you in for hours. And it's just they know how to make it really appealing. And for yeah, a developing think, brain, it was not helpful. And boys really. especially, I don't know all the stats on it, but are more easily addicted to things like that. And so we just saw, it felt like a weight for us. It was obviously a weight for him. We didn't know how much though. No. And long story, we ended up taking it away and well, selling it. No, do you remember he came to that conclusion by himself? Mm-hmm. He was, we, we, had, we had talked about that idea. Do you remember? Am I saying this wrong? I think there's more to that story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I can't remember all of <laughs> but, it. But no, what you are remembering, right, is that after we sold it, like, I don't even think it had been gone 24 hours. He had thanked and us. And he thanked us. He said, that was consuming me at all times. And I feel so much better that it's not in the house. Yes. And so that, that 
is obviously not everybody's experience, but that I think only solidified for us. We would so much rather not have it be a thing we're having to wrestle in our own house, but because it's not in our own house, it's something we can freely say, have a great time <laughs> at anybody else's house. He still gets to play every once in a while. And it also doesn't mean he doesn't play games ever. We do yeah. have an iPad. There are so many games available on an iPad and he does have a handful of games we've approved. Yeah. And a that's the second thing. A game, a snowboarding game. Yeah. Yeah. That's the second thing we have in this category that our kids are allowed two hours of screen time, whether that's video games or watching a movie or something like that on Saturday morning. And I think you should explain why. Well, let, before I explain that though, you were saying something about selling it. So we did sell it. We sold the Nintendo Switch, but this is another principle I think is really helpful. Whenever you take something away digitally, you need to replace it with mm -hmm, something. Mm -hmm. And so I know for us, what we did was we said, Duke, what's something you're really interested outdoors that you want to get into? And he had said mountain biking. And you remember mm -hmm. we took that money yeah. and we, I mean, it's plenty enough to buy a good starter mountain bike for him. And we bought a mountain bike for him and encouraged him to to go outside and then he got into snowboarding which is we should have never encouraged that that's the most expensive thing in the entire <laughs> world he's like doing all these he jobs to raise so money much. we're like hey son you're gonna be working for this because this is like what your job can go to anyway uh so to replace something but yeah the two hours on saturday well it, that came from the fact that that's sabbath for us and sabbath is for uh joyful fun and rest and so we we just want to have joyful we want to have fun and 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 rest and so the the fun for them is that they can upon waking no no other time during the week are they allowed to wake up and do anything i think our daughters know what day it is based upon the fact that tomorrow they get to wake <laughs> up and watch something but they never get to do it except for saturdays which keeps it special but we always have two things on hand saturday morning this is for our benefit i think far more than it is for theirs but they love it uh that sugary cereal of some kind and they get to watch something and they know they can wake up and they can pour themselves cereal and they get to watch something that we've already said that that they can watch. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so that's like a huge treat for them. And so they get to do that. They love it. And it allows Elizabeth and I to sleep in, which is amazing. So mm -hmm. that's our video. And there's so many other things we could say on the video game thing, but I just want to point out, have wisdom, make decisions based upon who your kids are read them. If you're finding them highly addicted to it, I know it's hard. Ripping off a Band-Aid is so uncomfortable, but mm -hmm. it is totally possible to stop um, and actually undo some of that. I know that that's going to be really hard for some, but it is possible. But I want to say too, with video games, just because we've decided not to have them in our home doesn't mean that we think that's yes. what everybody should do. I know another family who they do, they have an Xbox and they intentionally chose that over a Nintendo Switch because they wanted it to have to be hooked up to a TV and in a room where everybody else was. They didn't want it to be something that came with them on trips yeah. or was something that their son did alone in his room. And I love that. They they did it. They designed it on purpose so that it was something that was done together or at least in the same room together. Yes. And I do think that this is a really incredible way that especially a father and his son, but I mean, any parent child can connect with each other. Say you do have video games in your home and you're like, man, I need to think about it differently. Well, maybe you sit next to your son and you let him tell you all about the level he's on or you know what he's into. It can also be a way, a source of connection. It doesn't have to be this like, it's only bad or, yeah, you know, yeah. I think there's, there's, 
framework to view it in that can also be helpful. If you're enjoying this content and you want to go deeper, we have an amazing resource that we want to tell you about. It's the intentional film series, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. Now, this is an incredible tool for you for spiritual formation in the family. And we created this film series to help parents in their God-given task to raise and disciple their own children. Now, our hope is that we're able to help you and give you some of the tools that I know we so desperately need as we're in the process of raising our kids and Phil and Diane have actually raised their kids. This is a nine session film series on the process of what raising a passionate Jesus follower actually looks like. There's some workable solutions in here. There's a bunch of wisdom from the scriptures and there's a bunch of practical help in your journey as you are raising your children. We cover all sorts of things like parental roles, goals versus values. What is discipline versus punishment? How do I create a heart of obedience in my child where they actually want to obey? What is a heart of self-control look like? Or how do I even help my child in the process of character development? We cover that and so many more things. You can use this film series in a variety of ways. You can use it at your home, preferably with your spouse if that's applicable, with a group of friends or in your community, or even through your local church. All you need to do is head over to our website, intentionalparents.org, click on film series, and then follow the prompts. We have a bunch of other resources there that you can check out, but we do pray that this blesses you in your pursuit of raising passionate Jesus followers. Well said. And yes, it is not all bad. And this has been our journey. And again, to be clear, have a plan. The most important thing, have a plan. Mm -hmm. So the next category we have is YouTube. It has its own category. And the reason it does is because YouTube is both a gift and a curse in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, there is so much that can get through and does get through on YouTube. I don't need to go through all the details for you. But the point is we have found in our situation, in our story, that our kids jumping on screen time to just kind of peruse, even kids safe YouTube has not proven to be a good thing for them. For us, there's constantly, whether it be an ad or something that kind of makes them feel weird. They've literally communicated that. We've just decided that, hey, when it comes to YouTube, we're not going to watch YouTube in the morning. You're not going to just jump on and watch these different shows or different um, channels. What you're going to do is if you want to do something or learn something, if you want to learn a guitar part, if you want to learn a song, if you want to um, learn something, you are totally welcome to use YouTube. We'll bring the device to us. We'll look up the video together. You click on it and you do it. This has honestly been a huge gift to us as parents, but it's also been very helpful with not having random stuff show up or pop up or your kids ex being exposed to things that they're not ready for. Um, mm -hmm. And honestly, we all know like the internet's crazy, but most of the time your kids aren't just surfing the internet. They're on places like YouTube and they're coming across stuff that is changing maybe their thoughts or, or different distracting things are coming. And up. most of the time it's stuff coming to them. It's not always kids going and searching out things. No, it's, absolutely. You know, the ads that pop up, it's the, it's the other YouTube videos that are being suggested. And so again, it's a tool. It's an incredible tool. The amount of yes. things that our kids have learned for free on YouTube. Oh, the amount much, of things I learn for free yes, on YouTube. I'm Duke so has become a phenomenal guitar player. Yeah, I would shreds. say 90% of it has been learning on YouTube. Absolutely. So we want to encourage that. That's a beautiful thing. But we want to know what he's watching, what, I mean, literally what, like looking and seeing what videos. And guys, this takes a ton of time. This is not convenient. No. It's frustrating it <laughs> a but, lot of the time. But let's be fair. This is our, like, 
how we have landed on this and what we can maybe just encourage you with is this is our responsibility. When it comes Mm -hmm. to being a parent, when we become too tired to do this type of stuff, it becomes really challenging to protect and actually form and help form your kids. And so Mm -hmm. I know these things might even sound for some like crazy. I do want to let you know that kids do adjust. They do get used to it. They'll probably, you know, if if your life right now has no structure around it digitally and there's no kind of digital support of life and you bring this in, oh my goodness, it might be a bit. And maybe you need to start way, 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 way slower. But for us right now, we are just, we, I do want to share like that has actually been super helpful. Our kids can use YouTube, but then at the same time, they don't um, always have to, you know, they're not exposed to things that we don't We're want them to be. lost in it for hours. Yeah. yeah. And then one other, like just a little detail, and then we'll get through, we'll pop through these next two real quick. But we have uh, protections on all of our devices. Again, we can't go into all of this. I'm not going to go into what we have and all of that, but we have protection on all of our devices. Elizabeth has my passcode. I have hers. She has the code for all of the screen time passwords on all of the devices in our home. We do that on purpose because we just want to be wise and thorough and thoughtful about it. Even Phil and Diane, I went over to their house and we put stuff on all of their things because not because it's like a problem with our kids, but we're like, if our kids are going to be in your home a lot, um, we need to make sure that we all are like sharing that same thing. And they were great. They're like, absolutely. What do we need on our phones or iPads? You know, all that kind of stuff. But that's helpful. And then we also have passcodes on stuff. And we're, we don't have passcode, like only Elizabeth and I have the passcodes for the computers and the iPads. And the reason we do that is because it really enforces and encourages a conversation before our kids just jump onto a screen. So I know for us, what's really helped is we have a, a passcode. And if they want to listen to something, if they want to watch something, they only have a few apps that can even watch anything on the device anyway. There's no like, they're basically like dumb iPads essentially. But if they want to be on the device, they have to come to us and communicate what they're wanting to do. And they have to ask, hey, can I do it right now? So there's not like this, a random, um, just jumping on the screen because they're bored. So that has forced good conversation. 95% of the time we say yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's usually never a no. It just forces like, hey, what are you doing? What do you want to do? Okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know. So that's just a side. Um, next category, music. We have music. Mm-hmm. Uh, we homeschool our kids. Do you want to take this one really quick? Yeah, I think it can be really quick. Um, we try, and I would say try, because I think we've gotten a little loose with this one, and it's not a legalism thing. No, it's not. But our um, our kids, especially our older two, but especially our um, our second, is just really into music. Absolutely loves music. Would love to listen to music all day long. and And it also affects them. And so yep. we have a rule that has become a little loose um, that we try to do just worship music until school is done for lots of reasons. It definitely, you know, there is something about songs being sung about God and who he is that do create an atmosphere in the home. And I think some people are more sensitive to music than others. I happen to be more sensitive to it. So I like it when our home is filled with worship music. I do not. (laughs) You do not. You do not like worship music (laughs) at all. But listen, I I love Jesus. Yes. I don't, as a musician, I have a hard time with worship yes. music because it's often not very- Not the best. It's not creative. It. So I choose usually, it's like classical or jazz. Like yeah. I stick in those categories because I love that. And also our kids end up really enjoying that too. Yeah. And it for them, it's, no less, it's less distracting. That's part of the reason. <laughs> if you think we are not like some uptight, crazy, conservative Christian family, like 
in any sense of the word like that. Like when it comes to music, I am a broad listener. Duke, my son, who's learning so much music, he he has the clean versions of everything. But let's just say when he comes to learn guitar, he's not being like, I want to learn, Lord, I lift your name on high. He's like, can I learn that new Rage Against the Machine song? I'm like, absolutely you can. So yeah, we have a whole range of music we get into, but we try to set the tone is what mm-hmm. Elizabeth is saying. And then we have, uh, we have, I have a record player. I love records. So the kids know if they ever want to play a record, they can just grab a vinyl and they can put it on. And Anytime. They can, they can do that. So. And then one other, this is just small, but when they do pick an album that they're going to listen to, they pick it and then the device gets put on a shelf. They're not scrolling constantly looking for the next thing that they're going to listen to. Or music and, videos on Apple Music or Spotify. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of music videos on there. Yeah. Same thing with the car. And I have to remind yeah. them this often where usually whoever, whoever's sitting in the front seat is also gets to be the DJ and pick the music. And oftentimes it's, I mean, it's distracting. The phone is open. And so I'll just find Duke or Scarlet sitting there scrolling and wanting to watch the music videos. And I'm like, nope, pick it and just set it down. Car time is for conversation time. Yeah. And then lastly, one of the biggest categories, um, phones and iPads. This is a, this is a really big category. Um, I'm just going to go through this really fast and then we'll we'll deep dive and then we'll be done for today. But um, we have a really clear rule in our house that our kids are not allowed to have iPhones specifically until they're 18. You might say that's nuts. Totally understand. That's just where we're landing on that one. And I'll let you know on that one. Um, we are practicing delaying personal phones as long as possible. Again, for the reasons we've already kind of explained. Um, we obviously do no screens or maybe not obviously, but let me say we do no screens in rooms or bathrooms ever for behind the a closed door. Yeah. So like if Duke is wanting to watch something, he has to have the door open or if the girls are wanting to do something in their room, the door is open. And then Elizabeth and I's goal, uh, is to put the phones to bed after the kids go down. Um, so let's get into that one practically, uh, for a minute. Why don't you start on that one? On that one, the yeah. phones to bed. Or no, just the- like start on, start on that. I mean, so that's the ideal. That's what we're, mm-hmm. that's our rule. But how is that working out? Actually, I'll take the first one. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you take the other three. Um, no iPhone seller 18 for us. We have decided with so many good options about uh, or around that iPhones are both great and awesome. They are also crazy expensive and they are also, um, they have so much ease of use, which is beautiful. And, but we've just decided for, for us, there's so many other good options that, that are non-addictive. That are not. That are not. Well, not as addictive. Mm-hmm. That we uh, can choose, and so we're going to choose those. And if they're eighteen, they're like, "Hey, I got the money." We'll be like, "Absolutely, here's the blessing. No problem. You can use it." But we've decided that. But I, I think it's really important to highlight. It's not just no iPhones. It's also no social media. Mm-hmm. So before our kids can ever have social media, we have decided they're they can do that when they're an adult. And then we have a couple, I have a couple books that I'm going to have them read to understand what social media does to your brain and to your whole disposition. Duke has already started reading some of them. Yeah, he has. I've had him start reading some. And he gives me stats all the time. I know. I love that boy. (laughs) I I just put him on, I'm like, dude, read this book. And he's like, got it. He's so. He's read it twice. I know. I love it. Uh, The book we're talking about is Stolen Focus. Great book. book. Johan Hari. Mm -hmm. Great book. But that said, um. We specifically are not allowing that in our home. Our kids know that. They communicate with that with their friends. We took, <laughs> I took Duke and Scarlett to a friend's 16th birthday party, their, their cousin's 16th birthday party. And at this party, we're like 40 
probably, you know, anywhere from 14 to 17 or 18 year olds. And, and Duke said, dad, I've never met so many people that also had gab phones. Now we have a gab phone. We'll tell you more about that later. But he's like, and we all agreed. They suck, but we're glad that we have one, you know, <laughs> and Duke doesn't even, oh, it's not even Duke's. It's actually the house phone, but, but it's a cell phone they use. It's a dummy phone. They can only text. Apparently they call. had a great conversation about how terrible they are. Yeah. yeah. They're all bond trauma bonding <laughs> over the fact that their phones suck apparently. And I can understand, but at the same time, we, that's our decision. So that's on that one. Maybe the last three real quick. Yeah, just delay personal phones as long as possible. This one is in flux right now. So as soon as Duke was old enough to stay home alone, we've talked about this on the podcast before, we had to start to realize, okay, well, what are we going to do? We don't want to leave an open iPad when we're gone with internet access. Like He could text us through that. We didn't want to do that. And we looked into getting a landline, but then we were like, okay, but then what if they go to the park or something like that and we want them to have a phone with them? So we settled on... The original Gab phone, which you literally can just call or text. That's the only thing you can do. There's no apps, no internet access. You can't even send pictures. So we've had that however long it's been since Duke's been able to stay home alone. We only have one, even though we have two kids now who are able to stay home alone. And we feel like the struggle that they've had to figure out who takes the phone when they're babysitting or when they're going somewhere, the fact that they have to like we have to figure it out and it's not super convenient. We've actually been trying to sit in that as long as we can. Um, yes, but we yeah. are recognizing Duke starts high school next year. He's probably going to get a job this coming summer. And we're approaching the need to have two phones. Scarlet babysits all the time. So we're having conversations right now. Mm-hmm. At what point is Duke going to get a phone that is his own? And then what does that mean for the Gab phone we do have? We don't want it to automatically now Scarlett has a phone at age 12. Um, so we're, we're researching and we're talking about it. Duke and I were just talking about it together yesterday. I was asking him, okay, well, if you got a phone, what phone would you want? And we just had a great conversation. Was that the, was that the day when you were saying, hey, you're being too grumpy with him. You're, <laughs> you're missing him. He's trying to talk to you about stuff and you're missing it. Yes, that I've been was sick, that day. Which means I was definitely grumpy. And as I've been told, because I'm not sick very often, I'm not very good at being sick, which I guess all adult men apparently aren't, which I'm learning. Um, Is that the one? Was that the day when you were connecting with him so brilliantly and I was just missing it? I was like, stop talking about this. This is where the beauty of parenting in team is. I I appreciate you telling me, although I didn't like it. To have the ability to be present to him. I didn't like it. And you were humble enough to listen when I... I think I did it nicely. You did it. You did it great. Yeah. I didn't love hearing it. You no. were right, and I apologize to him. But yeah. nonetheless, yes, you had that conversation. So again, the and the point of us even sharing this is not to say do it how we do it. The point of us sharing this is you need to have a plan. So if your kids are little, you need to be thinking about what is that going to look like. Because here's what happens, especially with phones and social media, and and video games, all of these things. But I think mm. especially with phones and social media, if we don't have some sort of thought about the stage that we see that we're soon entering in before we enter it, then we become reactive and we unintentionally fall into the pressure of other parents around us, of Mm -hmm. other kids around us, of feeling like, well, I can't deny my kid because everybody else is doing it, which that may be what you land on, but it's not a good way to make decisions, especially when it comes to some of these pretty important decisions in our opinion, as far as when you're going to allow things like 
a device that has access to the internet in your child's pocket. You know, I just think there's, it's so important that we're thinking about the stages that are coming. It doesn't mean these are hard and fast rules that you can plan out the next 10 years of your child's digital life. The reality is all of it is changing so fast that your whatever plan you make will be obsolete in 10 years. You will have to be updating it. Even mm -hmm. when we first got a dumb phone for our kids to use, there's now like four other companies that have dumb phones. And, and they're, they're various levels. I'm actually super grateful. They're various they're levels that some have some apps, some have none. There's Now there's great stepping stones be between a completely dumb phone like we have and an iPhone. So the next, you know, if Duke gets his own phone, it'll probably be a step up from what he currently has, but not all the way an iPhone, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and we'll we'll wrap this up here real quick. The no screens behind closed doors, essentially, in bedrooms with the door closed, bathrooms. That one, I think we're all holding pretty close it's to. Just and wise, there's, yes. there's times, again, our kids are homeschooled. Duke does school in his room. So there's often times when he forgets and the door is like mostly closed. And I just have to gently remind him, hey, remember, door's open. That's just how we do technology. And one one thing to maybe just encourage you for kids that are like, I, but I like, like, they love listening to music while they're taking a shower. I love listening to music and I want to listen to something at night when I'm going to bed. We have we have done a workaround with that. <laughs> pretty simple. We just have a really cheap, pretty inexpensive Bluetooth speaker um, that that Duke has in his room as an example. Um, and so the iPad sits on a shelf outside of the room and then he can stream whatever he wants as far as music goes into his room. And that's how it lives. It's, it's place of living is not in his room. It's actually outside of his room. So, mm -hmm. um, that's just another practical thing that has been very helpful and putting phones to bed after our kids go down. I'm it, bad at this, <laughs> really bad at this. It depends on the season of life we're in and mm -hmm. how much trauma we're going through. <laughs> I mean, I'm dead serious. That's exactly what it's about. Um, it kind of depends. We definitely, I, I personally, when it comes to the phone, I have no problem putting my phone to bed. Um, I like getting away from my phone. Personally, if you have my number and you text me, um, I, I do always try to get back to everybody, but you will find that it is never extremely quick because I usually do get a lot of texts and then I often will only get to them during work hours. And so um, that's part of it for me. So if, if you're feeling one, of, if, if you're one of my friends, please just know it's not personal. Mm -hmm. Um, that said though, when I'm home, like I'm not usually on my phone much outside of music. I just don't, but I do. I love like watching documentaries. I love learning stuff. So I'll watch stuff at night, but that's how, that's how it is for us. So this is a big conversation, but this is, uh, our digital rule of life, our digital support of life. And I have to say that Although it has been um, challenging to implement, if I could just encourage you one thing on implementation and then we're going to pray over you because this is hard and we know it. Um, you, your wife, get away for a day if you can. Go on a date maybe. That's more realistic. Have some conversations pre. Pray about what you're thinking about doing and ask the Spirit what He wants you to do. Work this out together. Fill this out. And then as you guys fill this out. And as you decide upon this and go, yes, this is what we want to do at the right moment in time, sit down as a family and go through it together. Just sit down and say, mm -hmm. here's what we're trying to do. We have intentionality around your sports or around your school, or around your education, or around your life with Jesus. Well, technology is a big part of our life and it's in our home every single day. And we want to be thoughtful about that too. So here's some structure mm -hmm. that we're putting to it mm -hmm. and then just walk them through it. And you might have some kids go, yes, um, I think it will surprise you. It will probably surprise you how much stuff they hate, or maybe that won't surprise you. It might surprise you how much stuff they actually love and how much like 
actually comes out of them from this. I know mm-hmm. that's been one of our biggest surprises is seeing how much good has come and we were not expecting it. We were not expecting it. Yeah, and I think if this is new to you, if you are like hearing this and you want to to fill this out, to pray through it, to try it as a family, try it as a family. Yes. Like gather your kids together and say, we're going to do this. We're going to give it a try and we're going to reevaluate in a month. And then sit down as a family and reevaluate. Go through each one. Ask your kids input. It doesn't mean you're going to do everything that they're saying to make them happy. But I think the more we can bring our kids into the why, we have to explain to them why. We have to share what we're learning with them. We have to be honest because they already see our own use of devices and our phones and our distraction. We have to be honest about that. Say, man, I know I can be distracted and I know you just want me to look you in the eye and give you my full attention and I am I struggle to do that. I'm sorry. I'm putting my phone down and I want to talk to you. You know, we are teaching them so much by those moments. So I think the enemy wants us to just be so um, stuck, keep us stuck in, I know I'm addicted. I know I'm failing. I know I'm not giving my kids enough of my attention. But that, again, doesn't motivate us to change. I think we just, we talk about that as a family. Mm-hmm. Like I've already said, this is a this is an area of struggle for me, especially with the last couple of years. And it's one my kids are calling me out on, and I'm actually really grateful. It's comical. They're not always nice about it, and sometimes <laughs> they're super nice. But they call me out every single time, yeah, and I do. have to listen to them. I'm grateful that they yeah. do. And it keeps well. That's the. I mean, you're you're highlighting when you all say we're going to agree on this. Yeah. And then you don't follow it. It's amazing how you know, especially if you have you know, hopefully semi good communication, they'll communicate that with you. They really mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you respond humbly and don't shut them down for correcting you. Because as a parent, like it's so hard to get corrected by, especially your young kids. But oftentimes, you're shutting them down because they're so right. That yeah. often happens. So, um. Yeah, I can. I, I think we just need to pray for yeah. for everybody real real quick and just ourselves. I mean, this is such a big deal and a big endeavor. So, Father, for anyone listening who's scared or overwhelmed or frustrated or feeling like your spirit moving through them through this conversation today, I just want to ask that you'd give them grace. Uh, I think it was I can't remember if it was Richard Foster or somebody, uh, or I can't remember who said it, but essentially that we as Christians. Uh, we need grace like a 747 needs fuel at takeoff. And we use grace that way. We need that kind of grace, that help to be able to live this out. And so Holy Spirit, I just ask for help for anybody listening, that they would be able to understand where to put technology in their life, how to live to where they don't fit in just the mold of the culture around them, but they're able to renew their minds. Would you transform the minds of those listening? And would you help them do that with their kids so that their kids would be able to grow and thrive and be blessed? Amen.